Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Jeremy Duval, And I'm Rob Fanouf. And we are here. We are fresh off the Adepticon roller coaster train. Oh, what a, what a, and what a train it was, Jeremy. Yeah, pretty amazing. So we're here tonight to just go over some of our um, thoughts, some of our uh, Adepticon experiences. So I know um, for me, it was my first time, but I know, uh, Rob, you hadn't been in a little bit. So going into Adepticon, was there anything like what were you most excited for going into Adepticon? Yeah, you know, you bring up that I hadn't been there in a while. And I actually kind of went down yesterday after I got back um, because I drove. uh, I left pretty early um, and I got back around 1.30 to Memphis, and I went down memory lane and was looking up and said, when was the last time I was there? And uh, it turns out the last time I was there was in 2015. So I had missed in the in the intervening years three of, three of the events. When I was there in 2015, it was at the new convention space. And so I kind of knew what it was going to look like. But what I didn't realize was how full it was going to be. You know, Jeremy? I mean, like those, all the rooms were full this time. The last time I was there, there was room to grow. Well, at this point, there's no more room. It was packed. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like you you have that picture of like the iceberg where you have the little bit on the top and it's like about, you know, your someone's, per, you know, spirit. It's what's beneath the surface. It's like there's so much to do and see there that I don't know if you could even go into every room and see everything in a weekend. Today I was like puttering around the house and cleaning and stuff and I was watching videos from folks Adepticon coverage and I was thinking to myself, well, damn, I didn't even see that or I didn't even see that or I didn't, you know what I mean? Because it's like there's so much to see and I think I spent most of the time um, either in the dealer room or in the Amantic Kings of War area. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, other than a couple minor you know, walkthroughs like maybe to see my some some of my friends with Age of Sigmar. I, I didn't really see much of the con. How about you? Yeah, you know, for those at home, um, uh, kind of how Adepticon was set up, like at any major convention, it's like a big giant hotel convention center with lots lots of huge rooms and one giant vendor hall. So we'll get to the kind of the vendor hall uh, experience later. But just imagine, like you know, you, a, a convention where. Uh, it's like a giant room size that could fit a huge GT, but there's like 15 of those rooms. So wherever you go, there's a huge tournament. Um, and essentially, we spent a lot of time in sort of Mantic had one giant room that was holding all of their events. So I know for me going into Adepticon, my sort of, you know, uh, Rob being kind of excited to return for me in my first time, my question that I sort of asked myself was, is it going to live up to the hype? Because you hear a lot about like, you know, how big Adepticon is, Crystal Brush, the tournaments, the vendor hall. Oh, it's a bucket list event. You have to go. You have to go to it. So that was kind of like, you know, my thinking. And as I began my uh, journey there was what's it going to be like? You know, Rob, we have a convention local to us called KublaCon. 
which I always thought was like this pinnacle of like awesome gaming. And I'm going to say uh, not only did Adepticon live up to the hype, it blew me away. It's like take your local big, huge convention, multiply it by 100, and it's just miniature games. Right. Yeah, yeah uh, there's 6,000 people at this convention, and it is geared towards miniature gaming. There's some board gaming there, but not much. Um, you know, and there's some like CCGs and some of that kind of stuff, but it's, 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 it's a pageantry to miniature war gaming. Yeah. You know, kind of, it takes off like all these sort of separate elements of what you love, which is the GT it's there. There's tons of them. The, uh, product, new products in the vendor hall, you know, um, lots of companies do, um, preview nights. Um, you have that there, um, you have uh, the open play. So really it's like kind of all of the elements that you would travel to go to something in and of itself. It's all sort of located in one sort of like, I mean, I, it's, it's like a Mecca. You go in there and it's like you're surrounded by your people and by all of the things that you love most in the hobby. It's just, it's there everywhere. It, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, from games big to small. You know, one of the things that a conversation I had with somebody over the weekend was, you know, they were there to play some smaller game that doesn't have a lot of traction nationally. So, like, they had like 20 people coming to play. The point is, uh, you know, the smallest of the small games, you can find somebody playing probably in an organized event there. You know, if it's miniature wargaming and there's organized play, You'll find it at Adepticon. Yeah, like you said, from the smallest historical niche, like I saw people playing Warmaster, you know what I mean? All the way all the way through the fantasy flight games to people were playing like homebrew mobile suit Gundam where they were using the Gundam models with like homebrew rules all the way up to, you know, Warhammer TV and all the, the GW, you know, multi-hundred person events. So it was like, it was sort of all there. Um, so I thought Rob, we'd kind of go give some highlights. Maybe we talk about like our time there, you know, do a little maybe day by day of Adepticon and what was sort of our highlights. So I know that, uh, for those that we didn't know, Rob, Jeff Swan and I from the beer face podcast, we got a, a B and B an Airbnb nearby. So we weren't at the hotel, but we had a nice little spot, uh, nearby. So I know that you and Jeff got in there on Thursday. So what was sort of your first impression or what did you guys kind of take us through your first day at Adepticon? Well, yeah. So my, my, my day for heading to Adepticon started at, at 3 a.m. Uh, and then I made my way up to Chicago. Uh, I left a little early because I knew I'm going to hit Chicago, right? Hit Chicago traffic sucks. And uh, so I was able to get up there and I picked up Jeff around one, I can think from the airport. And then we headed over to the venue. Now, fortunately I had been to the venue. It's been a few years, but I had been to the venue before, but the very first thing that hit me and people had warned me about it was the parking <laughs> because uh, this place is full to capacity. Uh, the, there's no rooms and there's no parking places. And it took us a really long time to find a parking place. Uh, so that was, that was my first thing. Like, okay, this is, this is different than the last time I was here. I mean, in 2015, you know, you went to lunch, came back, you could find a spot. Heck, you, the spot you left would probably still be there. Things, things had changed. Uh, and then, so Jeff and I walked in and it was just like, you know, that feeling of coming home, you know, like you're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I missed this. And, uh, it was great. It was just, it was just so much fun just to see people. Um, so Thursday for us, 
was really just hanging out and kind of getting the lay of the land, you know, going up and kind of hunkering down, get, get, our, get our home base there at the uh, the Mantic room that they had. It was Utopia, which is a pretty good room. We shared it with like Lord of the Rings and some HMGS events. Um, but, you know, we had over half the room. So um, it was just, uh, you know, unbelievable. Obviously went through the dealer room like as a first pass. Uh, and I, the highlight, I guess, for Thursday would be, you know, I got to connect with some people that, that are playing different game systems than me that I haven't seen in many, many years. And it was fantastic to see, you know, some of the guys I used to play Warhammer with. Because, um, you know, when Warhammer died, everybody didn't just go play Age of Sigmar or Kings of War or Ninth Age. They played some, some completely left the hobby. But others just found, you know, the Batman miniature game or whatever and and but they're all here they're all there and so i ran into some guys i mean one one of my one of the great guys is uh eric bemis he's plays he plays gilball now and so i ran into eric i was like holy crap i you know i hadn't seen him in four years at this point yeah it it's it's uh you know that feeling you got when you were like when i i think i asked you i said what do you think you're like oh my god this is so big you know blow me away i i get that feeling too when i walked in there i was like oh my gosh this is incredible um i mean because it's there were games that were not around in 2015. Star Wars Legion, right? X-Wing was big, but, I mean, not 300-player big, you know? It, it, these games have uh, the scale. I mean, there was 216 players in the AOS event. Hundreds and hundreds of players playing 40K. I mean, 40K is still the big dog there. My Thursday was spent at work wishing that I was not at work. <laughs> and, and we I were had... texting you all the time saying, Oh, God, I'm, at, I'm with Ronnie. I'm da 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 because everyone, you got everyone, pretty much not just you and Jeff, but most people arrived at Adepticon on Thursday, which next year I will do. So I'm sitting there at work, you know, uh, seeing everyone have an awesome time, and I'm being yelled at by people, you know, on the phone at my job, and I'm like, "F this noise." Um, and also, too, I had been so stressed, not str- I, you know, like paying your bills and all that stuff stresses you out. So I hate to use the word stressed, but I've been so up in the air, not knowing what list I was going to take to Adepticon and playing all these test games on universal battle is I hadn't really allowed myself to get pumped. And it just all of a sudden Thursday morning, when I started seeing the pictures, I just was driving to work that Thursday morning. And I just realized, Jeremy, you're flying to Adepticon tomorrow. And it just like, it hit me. All in one that this thing that I had been wanting to go to as long as I can remember being in the hobby, it was actually going to happen. And I remember in like pure nerd fashion, I like was driving to work and I was like rolled down my window and I was like, I'm going to Adepticon. Like like I'm going to Disneyland, you know, after you win the Super Bowl. So um, so that was pretty much my Thursday was lamenting my poor life choices by choosing to go to Adepticon Friday morning and work on Thursday, which will be remedied, as I said, um, uh, remedied, as I said, uh, next year. But, um, okay. So then we got into Friday, which that was when the sort of the real action began. Um, now I had left, so I left super early. My plane took off at six in the morning. So I was leaving my house at three because I had to take, uh, if you've ever flown into Chicago, Southwest, doesn't fly into the airport that's near Adepticon. So I had to fly United, which for me only flies out of San Francisco, which is not my local. I usually fly out of the Sacramento airport, but so anyway, so I had to go to San Francisco and I got there and then, um, 
when you fly into Chicago, don't ever take a taxi because <laughs> they have to charge you extra. Yeah. Always take an Uber. That was there's some law that if a taxi is going to take you from the Chicago airport to like what they deem a suburb, they have to charge you double. So I learned that lesson. Okay, and then I know, Rob, you were playing uh, in the Vanguard tournament on f- Friday when I arrived at the venue. So why don't you take us through your experience with the Vanguard tournament? I know you hadn't really played that much Vanguard yet. Maybe talk a little bit about your games. Like, what was your sort of, uh, how did the Vanguard event go for you? Yeah, so going to Adepticon, I didn't have a lot of experience with Vanguard. Um, I had played a couple games with uh, Proxy Kingdoms of Men list, and my intention was to bring Kingdoms of Men to, to the uh, Vanguard tournament. Um, I, I had built it out of the men at arms, uh, range from Westphalia miniatures. Um, and I had actually ordered more to, to kind of fill out the faction or the army. Uh, but unfortunately or fortunately they, they didn't show up in time. So I wasn't able to get those built. I think that's in retrospect, a good thing because it made me try something different. I have a lot of dwarves. And so I was able to go into my, 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 unfortunately my games workshop dwarf collection and pull out some models and i and i just threw together a list um i took some input from some of the guys online yeah it was a simple list it was like three ironclad three shield breakers one dwarf levy a dwarf sergeant a steel juggernaut and a stone priest and um so and then like i think there was like a lucky charm on the stone priest and then maybe a uh, heavy weapon on the the gen- on the uh, the sergeant so it was like really a very very uh, simple list, and it turned out that you know you know I only had a few games under my belt. Um, I learned more in those four games of the tournament than I than I ever possibly thought I could. And I, I left the game, you know, I left the tournament going, "Wow, this is a really fun game." Um, but just to kind of walk you through the game. I mean, I the first game I I played was against Bill Harvat uh, out of Omaha, Nebraska, and he was playing uh, Northern Alliance, and he he kicked the crap out of me. That was like the game where I really didn't know what I was doing. So he was able to, to, to whoop me pretty good. Uh, and then I got to play Tyler Schultz. Now, at this point, you got to consider that I had have not won a single game of Vanguard. In fact, I hadn't even been in the ballpark of uh, winning a game. So I played, uh, played against Tyler, and he had ogres. And we were playing this uh, mission where you've got to go and basically get these secret plans and then hold on to them to the, to the rest of the game. And we start, and he has the first turn. And he moves up, and I move up my whole army together because one of their special uh, or their special ability is called tactical redeployment. And for like two power dice, you get like basically like a three inch move for all your models within nine inch of your sergeant, which is kind of nice because the the dwarves don't move very fast, but you kind of get like this surge where you can get everybody moving, and they don't count as being activated. So I did that, and then I popped out my steel juggernaut and ran up and I shot one of his ogres. It was now it was one of his grunts, but I killed him like dead. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I need to do this more with the, with the, with the, with the steel juggernaut. And, uh, long story short, uh, my dice were like laughably good. Like, like if I would roll three or four dice, there would be two eights. And I should mention, you know, this game has exploding eights. So if you roll an eight, you get another, another roll. And so eights always hit ones always misses. And I, um, I actually tabled them. Oh, poor Tyler. Yeah. Poor Tyler. Well, especially for me. Cause like I, I really didn't know. I mean, so basically I had just gotten my butt kicked by Bill. And so my attitude was like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I think against Bill, I, I spread out too much. So I kept everybody together, one big clump. So if you came in and got one of my guys, you're going to get hit in the face by a bunch of guys. And it seemed to work pretty well. Ultimately, though, it, it was my dice. But I also think that 
ogres may not be that great of an army. Uh, they just, there's something about it. They just, um, they're an elite army with not as many models. And I think what's happening is, yes, they hit hard, but they don't get, like, like for example, if you're playing a goblin army and there's like, let's say, I'm just 15 guys and you have an ogre army that's seven guys. Well, that's 15 guys that get all their actions versus seven guys that get the same amount of actions. Yes, the actions are more powerful. There's something that the ogres are missing. Um, and I don't know what that is. They they seem to be under, you know, they, they seem to be outgunned um, against, at least against the dwarves. And so uh, it was fun to, to give him an ass whooping. It really was uh, because a he's he 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 takes it, you know, smiling all the way down. And then so uh, so at that point I was one on one. And then in game three I played the Basilean list from Josh Weir up in Lansing, Michigan. And let's just honestly, uh, <laughs> Iron Resolve is some bull crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> he just he has these guys that can pop this. Unlimited, like my special ability, I can only pop once per turn. But he has the same special ability on multiple characters, and they can pop it unlimited as long as they're power dice. And so he was able to pop like Iron Zaw, which was providing a three plus unmodifiable save, which, you know, really doesn't sit well with me because I'm like hitting him with like, you know, 30, 40 hits a, a game and doesn't do any wounds. So I, I don't know what the answer is yet. Either I didn't don't know what I'm doing against those guys, which is possible, or the army really is in, in need of um, some kind of update. Uh, but yeah, so it was a big stomping to me. So yeah, in the last game, I played against a Night Stalker player, and um, he was relatively new to the game as well. The Night Stalkers are an interesting army. I think they're really uh, more nuanced, and I think they're harder to play. And so I was able to to pick that off. We, we played a scenario called the portal, where essentially you score points by touching the portal. But if you touch the portal, you roll a D8 at the end of the turn. And on a seven or eight, that that model is uh, sucked into the warp. <laughs> and so he we both lost a lot of models. And even though I won the game, uh, there wasn't many models left at the end of the game. So that was pretty fun. Uh, you know, looking back on Vanguard... I, it's a great game system. I mean, really fun. And I think I'm, uh, you know, I'll be painting up my, my dwarf warband here shortly. And uh, it's it's just a fun, you know, you need to you need to get one if you don't have one yet, uh, Jeremy. It's a really fun game. And I think there's ways to tie it into to Kings of War in a meaningful way, where maybe like on a Friday night, you know, you guys we we play some some Vanguard, and somehow it's connected to the tournament game or. You know, the one final thing I mentioned about Vanguard is it reminds me a lot of Kings of War First Edition in terms of it's the first time out, right? It's the first time they've written the rules and it's it's been released to the public and there's going to be things that don't work, right? There's things that we that were missed or are maybe out of whack. And so just like in Kings of War, I'm looking forward to this next you know year or so while things get identified and they get fixed and then... Boom! We, you know, the, the second version is going to be amazing. Yeah, I know they just released the first fact for it today. Right today, I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, uh, I think they'll probably be looking at balance passes. You know, once they get a couple events under yeah. their belts, so I will say though, I mean, come look on, at dude. Them. In the fact, it says parry. You can parry from the ground. I'm sorry, dude. If you're knocked on your butt, you shouldn't be able to parry. Yeah, doesn't make we, any we, sense. That doesn't really make sense either. But you know, hey, teach their own. Yes. Yeah, it looked like everyone was having a great time. And, um, you know, shout out to Tyler. It was cool to meet meet him. You know, a lot of people at Adepticon I knew from online, you know, as you do since everyone kind of coalesces there. And it was great to meet so many of those people in person. 
Um, yeah, so one of the things that got my juices uh, going uh, Friday night was uh, watching Jesse Cornwell. Well, Jesse gets my juices flowing all the time, hashtag confirmed. But one of the things that I, I was uh, I loved to watch was him and Jeff Swan got a practice game of Dead Zone in before the Dead Zone tournament. And I'd kind of been Dead Zone curious after listening to uh, Frantic Gamers did a good show talking about sort of build types for Dead Zone and how those build types work in different scenarios. And I know like the Dead Zone players are pretty fanatical about how awesome that game is. They're really, you know, excited and want you to try it out. So I thought I was, uh, you know, it would be kind of the new game that I would check out since it was in the Mantic Room anyway. So I watched that game and then I watched Tyler do dirty things to Jesse in the first round of the tournament. And then after after that, Jesse went on, I think, to win all the rest of his games and do pretty well in the event. But that game looks pretty interesting. They're having fun. You know, you get the you get the yell, whale fire, right? Whale fire. Yeah, I should mention uh, we got to meet Andrew Sharp, which was awesome. Totally. He played in the Vanguard tournament and then he obviously played in like uh, the, the they had a, they had a couple different events. Um they had Dreadball, like a league in the league in a night, um, and then they had like a Dreadball tournament, and they had Dead Zone. So I'm definitely uh, getting, a, and then also sort of the other element to my interest in Dead Zone. Uh, I'm gonna take you back to 1990. It must have been uh, uh, somewhere around there. So fourth grade, Jeremy, the first box of models i ever bought was not that original space marine tactical box which so that was which was so many people's first model box mine was squats was the very first army i got so i've always had like a soft spot in my heart for space dwarves and i think the forge fathers are actually really cool and i like that like the their stuff has like hailstorm cannon and it's like just cool name i don't know what any of it does you know, I made a. I just want to have a list that has as much white a fire in it. a fire, so I could just yell that the whole tournament because that's what Dead Zone I think is going to be for me. Is like, I wanted something at a convention like that on the Friday night that I can play that's a little bit more casual for me. I mean, I know you can play Dead Zone competitively, but for me, I would be a fun like casual thing to do. So I watched um, a bunch of Dead Zone games. So I'm definitely interested in Dead Zone. So um, that is going to be uh, – I got one of the older – I don't even know if it's old, but the rule book uh, at uh, the Mantic Night, they were selling a, a bunch of uh, books cheap, so I picked up a Dead Zone book for that. So that was basically my Friday during the day and the evening was sort of checking out watching your Vanguard games, checking out the Dead Zone tournament. I went through. Let me talk about my experience in the vendor hall. The vendor <laughs> hall at, at, at Adepticon, it's like you go in there, you spend a hundred dollars, you go get a drink of water, you come back in, you spend a hundred dollars. I mean, it's you could you could drop serious dough. Um, I mean, it was just every. And then I was I was on a mission. I was so ordered by my, um, you know, as I mentioned on the show, I kind of have my my Kings of War club and then my 40k buddies. And they wanted me to go get GW had done like a special edition Primaris Lieutenant. So I had to go pick up a couple of those. Uh, it was like a Adepticon exclusive or a limited edition or whatever. And those now are like selling for bajillions of dollars on yeah, eBay. I, I wish it, Jeff and I were talking. We, we were there early. We could have went and got one. Um, but eh, to each his own. So, yeah. So I went there and I was in line for like 35 minutes. So I got that and I got they had some cool metal custom objective markers. And I'm like with objective markers and dice, I'm just like obsessed. I love having 
objective markers and dice. So that was the first thing I hit. And also I, I got a, they did a kind of, they've done some reprints of their old books like uh, Rogue Trader. And then they have a new slave, Realm of Chaos Slaves to Darkness reprint of that old book. And Britain wanted one, so I picked up one for him. Um, and then I went to the um, Scale 75 had a booth. I went to the Siege Studios, the Artist Opus, uh, their brush uh, brush company. I went and got some stuff from there. I went to Scale 75, had a, had a booth. Um, I've talked about it before, Rob. They sell their paints in these really nice steel trays that fit their paint and also the perfect size for a wine cork. And I paint all my models by doing just a small dab of glue on a wine cork. And then I hold the wine cork as my, like uh, what I hold for the model. So I got an extra steel tray uh, for that. Um, uh, just so much cool stuff. And at the end, maybe we'll do like uh, towards the end of the show, we'll go through all our, all our loot that we got. Yeah, but, it's a lot. And so the, we'll, I'll kind of save that for later, but so Friday was my, because the Adepticon vendor hall, you just can't do it in one go. It's like, it's just too much. You kind of have to go and scope and see, like make your shopping list and kind of, you know, come back. And then, um, so that was, uh, and it was, it was great to see, uh, to meet Andrew Sharp. It was great to see Nick Williams, and Dominic, Do- Steve uh, Dominic mm-hmm. yeah, uh, from all the UK guys, uh, it was great to see. It was great to finally meet Felix Castro in person. Um, you know, out of all the people on After Dark, Felix and I probably spend the most time together. I mean, we're on there four or five days a week, a couple hours a night. And we've talked about not just about paint, but about everything going on in our lives. And we had gotten pretty to be pretty good friends so it was great to finally be able to um, meet him in person. Then also, of course, with this Adepticon being offering the trip to the UK for the champion and just the kind of like, you know, Shannon was running it and just the hype was so much more. It was great to see all the uh, Masters players from around that, you know, we, you see at some of the big events. So we saw the Southeast crowd. We saw Keith Randall, Brian yeah, Tucker, Brian Tucker, Tim Smith, Tim Smith um robert brandon and then we got to see um alex chavez alex chavez was there and then um cory reynolds from the northeast and his buddy chris peltier i don't know if i would pronounce it slaughter it but i am gonna let you okay but he was freaking awesome he was an awesome dude yeah i can see why cory hangs out with him he's a cool guy totally great guy um, so it was good to kind of see, uh, some of the familiar faces and then also some of the, uh, Midwest crowd who, uh, you know, Stevie Malone, Eric Trowbridge, you know, I hadn't met those guys in person yet. Um, and then, so Friday night, so that was pretty much kind of like the gaming for Friday. And then we all went out to dinner, to dinner to, um, Portillo's, I think it was called, mm-hmm, right, Portillo's, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Which was, and, I, and I should mention, I had forgotten to mention that the night before, Thursday night, Jeff and I went out with Ronnie and uh, Community Pat and the gang to a thing called like Coomer's Corner. It's like a, it was the weirdest place I've ever been, but essentially it was a hamburger joint that played heavy metal music and and on TVs or on a big screen in the back projected horror movies. So it, it was the weirdest mashup place I've ever been, but the food was really good. So go ahead, Portillo's. Friday night. 
so we all went to with Portillo's, and um, that was a great time to hang out with with um, again with with Jesse and Jess and Kyle from uh, Mastercrafted. I'd met Kyle a couple times, you know, at, at Masters, but this was at an event, and we ended up playing each other, which we'll talk about at the tournament. But I actually got to hang out with those guys a little bit more this go around, which was great. And then also to meeting Bill Harvat, you know, he was a, a, an after dark regular too that I had never met in person. Um, you know, and as we're going through, Rob, there's probably good at people I forget, but you know, definitely another shout out to Andrew Summers. You know, I love Andrew's total great guy, you know, and then like Chris and Shannon and, uh, you know, all those, uh, all the, the kind of, uh, guys you see in the regular sort of greater GT scene. But I mean, I know there was a bunch of people right from the mountain region that you were getting to know and just so many great people that we got to meet for the first time. Yeah. Like, uh, just a few shout outs. Obviously, this is not an all-inclusive list. There's going to be people that I that I leave off because I'm not super smart, I guess. But like you, you mentioned, Chris Pelintier, awesome guy from the Northeast. Uh, and then obviously there's Stephen DeRose and James Grimaldi and Jonathan Neeson and uh, Josh from like I think it's Iowa. And then obviously the Michigan guys like Blake Schrode and Kyle, super awesome guys from Northern Michigan. Uh, or Midland, it's kind of the middle of Michigan. Uh, Michael Hodgman's another one from Michigan that I met. Uh, and you mentioned Dan, uh, Colorado, uh, Eric Town and Tom Payne. I mean, there's just, you know, Uriah Mock. Uh, got to meet Tim Akers finally. He's a Chicago guy, but I finally got to meet him. That was totally awesome because um, I ha- I hadn't met him. And Dan Zarombrowski, Z- Zarombrowski. I don't know. I'm just going to say Dan Z. Yeah, there's so many guys we got to meet. Bob Woodhouse, Matt, Matt Temple. I've... Talked to him a lot online, but finally got to meet him in person. Yeah. And, you know, I've said it a bunch and I'll say it again. You know, the tournament, which we'll get to, is fun, but the hangouts is why you go. You know, it's the special, it's the secret sauce, as Todd Serpico would say, about why you do the the, the convention tournament scene. Um, So that night we went out to get food at Portillo's, which I guess is sort of like an Adepticon Midwest tradition, which was this really kind of unique like sandwich slash slash pasta place and as as some people know like i've been kind of trying to lose weight this last year so i don't eat carbs that much so bread to me is like like you know really exotic thing so i had like uh, a meat and cheese sandwich in a croissant that was like dipped in gravy and it was amazing yeah i i like I said, it's probably been since 2015. The last time I was at Adepticon was the last time I had Portillo's, and it is an Adepticon staple for me. Yeah, so it was great there to hang out with um, the whole gang, with Jesse, with uh, Kyle, you know, the Master Crafted guys, and uh, Jess as well. Um, I love all those guys. You know, uh, it was great to see Kyle there, not only being able to play in the tournament, but kind of uh, coming into his own as the new uh, North America sales rep. So I know we've talked to him about him, Rob, about getting him on the show and talking about ways we can help support Mantic uh, in, in North America. Yeah, there's a lot more coming with uh, Kyle here in the very near future. Definitely, sort of, kind of things kind of rounded down, and then we headed back to our Airbnb. Uh, which was maybe about 25 minutes away from the venue, um, but really nice uh, spot. You know, if, if you have an Airbnb before, it's really a great option. Uh, if you're going to an event with a, with a bunch of guys, it can end up being pretty cheap. Yeah, so that was pretty much um, our Friday night. Did I miss anything, Rob? 
No, I mean, it was just, uh, we actually kind of did a, uh, maybe an early Friday night just because you and Jeff were playing the next day. Yeah. And it was early. It was an early start. And, and since we had to drive that 25, 30 minutes to get to the venue, we decided to sort of call it early. And, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a fan of not partying too hard. You know, I, I can only pull the half Rashad. I can't pull the full Rashad and drink till five in the morning. My body would just shut down. So, um, yeah. So the next morning we head over for, uh, the main event, the clash of Kings, the 2019 Kings of war clash of Kings tournament. And like we said, sort of the big draw for this event was if you had a full mantic army, you could qualify for what they call, I think the mantic champion, which is the, the highest ranked, player with a full mantic army would win a plane ticket and hotel accommodations to fly in october to the uk to play in the uk clash of kings tournament so a a pretty freaking awesome prize and i think it showed how awesome a prize it was by all the guys that have and girls that have tons of armies that are not mantic that somehow showed up with mantic armies you know and that was something that i talked to ronnie about and it was the gauntlet was thrown down, and I'm really happy to say that the gauntlet was picked up. I was, I mean, what, what, 70% would you say, Mantic Armies or something? It was like, a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it, it was definitely over 50. I, I would, you know, 70% is probably a good guess. So it was great to see all those um, Mantic Armies. Um, and that's pretty much when I, you know, as uh, some of you guys know, especially those in the After Dark chat, is th- that last week I just was going back and forth on what I wanted to bring, what am I going to do? So I kind of just, since I didn't really have a list that I was um, uh, incredibly jazzed about as far as taking any of the newer sort of Clash of Kings stuff, I sort of just decided to go with basically the undead list that I had been playing over the last year and a half with some minor tweaks so that I could bring a 90% Mentic Army. You know, I just I ended up having to just borrow one mounted mantic character for uh, Felix because after all the calculations, I ended up at eighty nine point six percent mantic models, and I was like talking to Shan, and I was like, "Can we round up?" And he's like, "Just put a get a half a skeleton body and paint it and put it on a base." So thankfully, I was able to just borrow uh, my lich a mounted lich. I borrowed uh, uh, one of Felix was nice enough to loan me. Um, so I thought I would just go through my list really quick before I go into my game. So, so it was 1995, Adepticon was 1995 and I was bringing undead. So, um, I had a horde of revenant skeletons with the hammer of measured force and they were awesome all tournament. I had three zombie regiments and my idea here was, um, I, I had mantic zombies, um, Give me some units, uh, unit strength and stuff that can sit on objectives. And they're so cheap. They're only 80 points that I could have them in the backfield and they don't need to get involved in the game combat wise. I had two hordes of werewolves because I have the mantic werewolves and I played with werewolves a lot over the last year and a half. One had brew of strength. One had potion of the caterpillar. Um, I had run double werewolf hordes at masters, uh, 20, uh, in 2018, and I had one run with Brew of Strength and Chant of Hate, definitely to give the other one brutal. But definitely Caterpillar was the better choice, I think, if you're going to run double werewolves. 
I had Soul Reaver Cavalry, which was one of my only non-Mantic uh, unit. And I had Brew Sharpness. I had a Rev Cav Troop. I had a Lich with Heal, Surge, Blizzard, and Blessing of the Gods. So that was one of the new things from Cock 2019 I had, is I had Blizzard. And then I had Jarvis um, and two Death Packs with um, the Stealthy upgrade. And for that, I just used my Ghouls. And my thinking was a Death Pack could be like, you know, shambling a horde of like Ghouls. And it was basically just... Undead monsters wearing wearing ghoul costumes for Halloween. So that was my list. So I thought quickly I would just run through my games. Um, uh, my first game was a challenge against uh, the man himself, Felix Castro. We, you know, we really wanted to make sure that we got a game in. He was playing a very good Basilean list where he had the Alohi formation, he had the golden horn formation so that's the infantry formation he had a regiment of forlorn guard which are the buffed paladins the, the special care you know the special unit of paladins he had an abbas um a phoenix and a men-at-arms troops and i'm pretty sure that's what it has and we were playing one of the new cock 2019 scenarios rays where it's like pillage but you destroy the token after uh starting on round two you can destroy a token and you get points for destroying tokens. And there was kind of two key things that happened in our game. Um, when Felix put his dice in the microwave to make them really good, he did the reverse bizarro microwave that made them really bad. So unfortunately, he rolled just like dog doo-doo the whole game. But we had um, – he took his vicious Elohi into – I gave him a charge on a horde of werewolves knowing that um, I was setting up for something else, a trade. But he went a horde of elite, vicious Alohi into werewolves and did four damage. Just rolled really bad. And not only did he not waver or not kill them, he did nothing. And then that not only meant I didn't have to trade that unit, I was able to just kill the Alohi. And then I was able to, with Blizzard, kill his priests that gave hit rallying to, to his infantry center. So really it was that and just, you know, that Basileans list, having known because it's a very similar list that I've been playing as I've been building my Basileans. If you bounce with that list or those Alohi don't do what they're supposed to do, you're in a lot of trouble because you don't have a lot of room for error in that list. So the, the game with Felix ended up with a win to me. Uh, I ended up getting 18 or 19 points, I believe. So it was definitely a lot closer than what the points uh, set out to be. And like I said, just rough dice on Felix. So so that was the first game. So my next, my second game was against Josh LaFoon. He had, Rob, a really cool uh, Varenger army that he had made completely out of the Northern Alliance Vanguard models. Favorite army there. It was awesome. Yeah, it was well painted. It was very creative. He had used the half elf berserkers as his reavers. He had used um, the 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 huskarls as his fallen. He had made a horde of bloodsworn out of the dwarf dwarfs. You know, because there's dwarves in Northern Alliance. He had uh, what else? He had a frost giant. He had an ice switch and a couple other things. And in that game, I want to. I want to think that we were playing push um, in round two. And what I had done is I had put 
a zombie regiment on the very, very far right of the board and given it a token, and he deployed middle left. So basically, I was I had one token that was untouched. I just walked it up the board and scored with it. So right off the bat, I had I had sort of like a one zero lead in that game. Um, and then my other tokens I had given to my revenant, my horde of revenants, just a super durable man. A horde of revenants backed up. Jarvis has heal three, and my lich has heal six with elite. So basically, what I was doing in most of my games is blizzard, blizzard with elite the first two turns, and then I would be heal, heal, or if I needed a surge, twelve with elite for a big surge. Um, so it's a very expensive caster, the lich I had in my list. So I had given my. Um, Revenants, uh, like I said, the uh, the rest of my push counters beside the one zombie unit on the far right, and was sort of just going straight up the gut. And he was taking his frost giant straight up the gut. And that game came down to um, uh, a couple of key. Um, he I had put a, a regiment of zombies into one of the fallen to try to slow them down to give me time to deliver my soul reavers into his infantry horde, I believe. And he got a double ones on red, the regiment of zombies. And that gave me just the extra time I needed to get my tokens across. Um, he had one other uh, double ones against the werewolves, but it ended up not really being that pivotal to the game. But and then up to this point, Rob, too, I had rolled uh, not out of the box good, but consistently average or slightly above average. I hadn't had any horrible nerve rolls pretty much every like, you know, five, six, seven that I needed to break. I was getting um, so thankfully, um, my dice were maintaining average what they should be up, up to that point. I hadn't had any spikes one way or the other. Um, so I ended up winning that game. I got around 16 points. So, um, I was two and oh, you know, not at the top top, but, uh, getting some like good wins. My third game, uh, was against, and this was the last game of day one was against Eric Trowbridge. So Eric Trowbridge, uh, part of the secret chat cave with Felix and Kyle Poole and Steve Malone and all those guys, is a very good player. Um, he was playing Orcs, and um, he had played Britain in Adepticon a couple years ago. And I know him through Felix, so I knew he was a top-notch, you know, a Masters caliber player who unfortunately just with his life can't always get to Masters. Um, but definitely of that skill level, and it showed in our game. And we were playing Dominate. And um, he had in his list um, essentially three hordes of orcs, two of the ones that have defense five and hit on fours, and then one of the ones that have defense four but hit on threes. And then he had some other support pieces, some casters, some um, chariot regiment as chaff, and then he had two of the ancient winged slashers. So that was basically his list. So he had deployed his winged slashers on his left flank, my right flank. And I had put a Revcav troop in my two hordes of werewolves. And I had advanced my Revcav troop while keeping my werewolves out of line, either forcing him either to move back or charge the Revcav troop and then get charged by the double werewolves. Um, and we, we danced like that a little bit while I was trying to sort of 
get the middle under control. The middle was a struggle, but I was able, he finally did engage the Revcap troop, and then I was able to use my werewolves to kill to kill both his winged slashers and then get around a building and center what he, and, and get pressure on what he had left in the center of the board. So it came down to where I needed to pop an infantry horde and, and there to be a turn seven. If both those things happened, I was in a good position to maybe pull a win out there. I took my werewolves into the side of his horde, uh, a horde in the middle of the board, did a whole bunch of damage, like 26 damage or something crazy like that, and then rolled double ones. But there was no turn seven anyway, so even if I had popped that horde like I probably should have, we didn't roll a turn seven, so I would not have one. I needed to kill that horde and have there be a turn seven and, you know, make sure, you know, get into the middle and turn seven. Um, so I ended up with a loss in that, but I was able to get, I believe I got six or seven points. So it was 15, five, but you could get uh, meaning you got 15 points for a win, 10 points for a draw, five points for a loss with attrition modifier. But there also was like bonus points. So the bonus points were on top of whatever your regular 15, five, 10 with attrition score would be. And those bonus points were based off of, um, scenario objectives like you know kill your opponent's most expensive unit or control all the objectives on your side of the board or stuff like that so but ending into day one uh i was uh two and one um with my one loss being pretty close but i had gotten good points in both my wins so i think i want to say after day one as far as battle i was either in the top 10 or top team 15 of battle which is actually a pretty good place to be because I knew my turn four opponent was going to be someone with a winning record, but it wasn't going to be like a Chris Kapsner who was destroying people or Keith Randall who was destroying people. So Keith and Chris and Tim Smith, there was a couple people who had, uh, Nick Williams was doing well too, uh, um, points wise. Um, so I felt like I was in a pretty good spot to have an okay showing at the event based on my day one. So um, what were kind of you up to while I was playing in the tournament? You were uh, kind of running around, helping out, or what were you up to on that Saturday? So yeah, during the tournament, uh, I kind of just hung around and helped out where I could. We had a drop or we needed a ringer. I had the army ready to step in. And so in round one, we had all 60 players there. And then in round two, we had someone that had to leave a little early. And so I got to jump in and play Blake Schrode out of Midland, Michigan. Um, Jeremy, he's the guy that runs the the really big game with like 20,000 points aside. Yeah, man, that was crazy. That was so, really crazy. Really yeah. crazy. So Blake's a really cool guy. Uh, he was rocking uh, Trident Realms. And, um, you know... Uh, I'm a ringer, but you know, I'm trying, I'm, tr I'm trying to beat him. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to pull my punches and uh, he did a great job and then ended up clocking me pretty good. Uh, so I got to play that game. And then in game uh, three, I got to play Frank Havig, who I had played his older brother and, and his father at an event in Wisconsin called Wapaka many years ago. Uh, so it was really fun to play Frank in his night stalker list. Uh, again, we were playing dominate and, all the uh, the dash twenty seven uh, scarecrows. He had, he had two two hordes of scarecrows and two hordes of bloodworms, and he got him into the middle, and that's a lot to chew through. <laughs> uh, so it was a really fun game, but in the end, he got me as well. So yeah, that's that's how I spent my Saturday. Yeah, and you were playing ogres too, so all that crushing strength is like worthless against that that much nerve. You need weight of dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like okay, I'll swing again. 
<laughs> okay, and then um, we went to like an Asian fusion burger place. Yeah, one of the things you have to know is if you are eating, hanging out with Jeff Swan. Oh yeah, uh, you're, he, he's he's a he's what do they call him? Foodies. Yes, a virtuoso of finding the perfect restaurant to go eat at. Yeah, absolutely. So it was great. I think it was called Gato Burger. It was like a burger that was infused with Japanese. And the wings they had were amazing. Crazy good. So, um, yeah. So he was, uh, Jeff was sort of like our food navigator. So we did that. And then um, we hung out a little bit. But it was kind of a similar thing to the night before, which was, again, Sunday was the second day two of the tournament was starting even that much. Oh, no. Well, Saturday night was Mantic night. Oh, yeah. How could we forget? Well, you know why I I forget is because I was hammered drunk. So that's why (laughs) I don't, you know, oh my gosh. So they give, so we get there, right? So so Saturday night is Mantic night. Mantic night, uh, Mark recorded it. We released the episode. It's kind of like Mantic's uh, what's happening in the world of Mantic night where they give you a talk. It's a QA. and a that you get drinks, you can play the games, and they give out drink tickets. And somehow tickets just kept materializing in my hand, which was good <laughs> because the drinks without the tickets were $11 for like a vodka and diet soda. So I start drinking um, and then I drink some more and then I have some more and I'm sitting there. Uh, I'll paint a picture for you. I'm sitting there during Mantic Night with Jesse Cornwell whispering behind me a, 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 a dialogue response to everything that Rob Berman or Ronnie or Community Pat, Community Pat said. Jesse had the quip for it. So I start to laugh hysterically. And then every time I look at Keith Randall uh, and that group, they're laughing at me, laughing at Jesse. And like I get the giggles. Uh, yeah. As anyone from After Dark knows, if I get going, I get the giggle. So there's some part at Mantic Night, I just had to go outside. And I did ask a question, I think, and I, I listened to it on the pot when I was listening to the thing. And I. It was a coherent question. It was a very well timed, articulate I question. Thought, well, you know, uh, benefits of a classical education. But there was stuff when I listened to it that I have no recollection of them saying in Mantic Night that. I heard when I listened to Mark's, like what he put up about the recording of Mantic Night. So it was like I got to go to Mantic Night twice because mm-hmm. I only like retained half of what I heard right. the first time. But anyway, how was Mantic Night for you? It was awesome. Uh, I sat up near the front. The last one I went to was in 2015, and um, it was a lot better attended this time. I mean, there's a lot of people there. Yeah, and, and I had a really good time listening to, you know, the different game systems. They had Winged Hussar there. Um, at the end, they did show us some pictures of um, the, the new Undead models coming out for Vanguard. Um, the Goblin Slasher is pretty cool. Goblin on a Slasher, yeah. Looking great. All the stuff looks great. Um, like I said earlier, you could get, they had some rule books, super cheap. They had a bunch of like, uh, of the Mantic L's that I know people aren't, uh, some people love them or hate them, but they were like 50 models for 20 bucks, 40 cents a model. I picked That's up a box. Crazy. Yeah. It's a good deal. So thankfully I had, if I had had one more drink, I would have been in trouble. So thankfully with wisdom, with age, you know, comes wisdom is that like, I knew when to say, okay, I'm good. But that was just, oh, man, that was so much fun. I got to sit with Mark and talk a little bit with the um, winged Hussar guys. As he said, the hardest uh, mustache, hardest working mustache in publishing, the Ross Bombs. It was great to talk with them a little bit about, you know, one thing I love about uh, 
their philosophy um, is that they like to give new writers a chance. And I think that, you know, every great author has to have their first book. So um, that was really cool to get to meet them um, and spend some time uh, uh, talking with them. So that's pretty much how we all spent our Saturday night was we spent it at, at Mantic night. And then again, we had Sunday was an even earlier start because Shannon wanted to have the event finished in time. The vendor hall closed at three. So he wanted the event done by I think two so that if people wanted to do any last minute vendor hall shopping, they could. So pretty much after that, we, um, we head back to the, uh, again, we head back to the, uh, the Airbnb to try to get some sleep to get ready for day number two. Yeah, it was of, like a John Hughes movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> the place just reminded me of like Home Alone or Ferris Bueller or any of the other Chicago-based movies that I remember of my youth. So the next morning we get up, we head up early, we're um, heading into day two. I know that like um, I'm two and one, so I know I'm probably going to be facing someone with a, a winning record, but I'm not quite sure who's it going to be or um, – you know, I had no going into the event. I had hoped to do well, but had no, you know, delusions that I would like win. But, you know, I'm a competitive guy, so I'm always trying to do the best I can in any event that I play in. So um, the next one that are the, the my game four was as we met and we mentioned him earlier, Chris Pelletier, who was uh, from the northeast. Um, he had an undead army, which was killer, considering he had painted it in like three weeks and he was running the army of darkness formation, which is like infantry. Um, and he's one of Corey Reynolds' regular sparring partners. Coolest acrylic tokens ever. Yeah. And just like a super nice guy. Just so nice. Um, he, Like I said, he had the army of darkness. He had a regiment of wraiths with brew of strength. He had uh, the barrow whites. He had a lich along with the necromancer from the Army of Darkness formation. Um, he had a Lycanus and he had um, an archer horde of archers with heart seeking chant to go with that uh, formation. And I want to say that was it. He might have had one or two other things. And in that one, we were playing, um, I want to say it's called it's the one where it's like pillage but they have you have a couple tokens that are worth one point and then a couple ton of tokens that, that are ransack? worth maybe that are worth uh, two points and then the one in the middle is worth three points so it's um variable value but you know exactly what they are you know it's not random value per token it's you know what they are but um um you, you you know they're you know what when you're placing them you know okay each person places a two each person places a one so this one I, my strategy in placing the tokens was very particular I wanted to place a token in terrain so that behind the terrain a zombie regiment could fit and be within three inches but not be in the terrain so he can't see me because I outdropped him and I knew that with my zombie regiments I could place the tokens in a certain way so basically my three zombie regiments could sit on three tokens no matter what side of the board I got and they would be pretty much out of line of sight of his archer horde so if he wanted to go kill my unit strength on those tokens he would have to actually move to get there so then that means that my thinking is my tokens are locked so all I have to do is take him off either the middle or the one of his tokens, and I'm sitting in a pretty good spot. So again, that triple zombie regiment paid dividends in that matchup. So this was a, an amazing game. 
So I ran my werewolves up the right flank and took out his Lycanus, and then they were battling with his uh, whites and his wraiths, and uh, his archers were trying to ping damage off uh, uh, my uh, one extra zombie unit that was moving up. But basically, the whole game came down to pretty much who would control the middle token. I had my Horde of Revenants on the middle token, and he had a regiment of skeletons, or a horde of skeletons, and he had a king on a worm. Okay, so that was the other thing he had. He had a king on a worm with Pathfinder. So he had a horde of skeletons into the front of Revenants, and he had his king on a worm into the flank. And he had two rounds of combat to kill that Revenant horde. And I had the Revenant Horde backed up by heal three from Jarvis and heal six from my Lich with um, Elite. So basically he had those two turns uh, to take out that Revenant Horde. You know, at defense five, I'm not taking much from the unit in front. Uh, a King on a Worm is going to hit me nine times and should, uh, you know, in the flank and should do um, anywhere between six to eight damage. Um, and then I was healing it off and life leeching it back. Um, so we were going into turn seven and, uh, uh, basically if there was no turn seven, I, I locked, I had the game. And then if there was a turn seven, he had one more round of, uh, combat to try to take the revenant, uh, horde off. We rolled a turn seven and I was like, okay, that's good. No worries. No, the, the funniest part of the tournament, I'm like watching you guys and you guys are discussing, what the effect of a turn seven would be and you guys are both very very calm and then when the dice is rolled and it goes against you you're just like okay we're playing a turn seven it was almost like you were a uh, announcer on npr or something it was just like no emotion it was awesome yeah and that's what it's you know what to do is like you know we kind of it was fun before you rolled turn seven we were kind of talking out like okay what are all the sort of permutations that could affect the game you know and that's how that game with chris was a lot of narrative play a lot of talking about what our intention was what we wanted to do um, and it came down to pretty much that was the move which was he had to put, pick up that revenant horde in the middle and he just didn't didn't quite backed up by that heel didn't quite have was able to do it so i was able to win that game um, and i got a fair amount of points i believe i got 16 or 17 points so now that had put me um, three and one, and um, little did I know that then that put me and Kyle from Mastercrafted as the two highest, two of the higher placed Mantic armies that were fighting each other. So we right. they wanted in the last round they wanted to have two Mantic armies uh, playing each other on the the, the camera. Yeah. Stream. Yes, because. Um, uh, Amy Stamper was doing her stream again like she'd done at Masters when it was held in Chicago. She was streaming uh, a table. So they wanted um, a, uh, like you said, the, the highest ranking table to had two Magic Armies, which was Kyle and I. I was so excited to get a chance to play Kyle. Mastercrafted, I loved his videos, and I had really gotten to know Kyle at that event. And, you know, it was like Counter Charge versus Mastercrafted. And they did this poll. And Ronnie came up and he's all like, oh, look at this poll. Everyone thinks you're going to lose, Jeremy. And they had voted for Kyle to beat me like 80%. So then I was like, F you, internet. And, um, but no, in all seriousness, it was a super close game. He was playing Undead, an Undead list that it would be very similar to what you would expect to see from his channel. He had the double, double Soul Reaver Infantry. He had the three regiments of, of Revenant Cav. He had whites with sharpness. He had borrow whites. He had a necro. 
uh, a revenant king with soul drain and a horde of revenants and i believe that's what it was and we were playing plunder the one where you have uh, i think i believe it's six loot tokens on the middle line two are worth two and four are worth one so you place all the loot tokens and then you just you nominate the ones that you want to be worth more points the zombie regiment strategy really helped me in this game in that I put for the far right token and the far left token, I sent a zombie regiment after each token and he was sort of deployed in the middle of the board. So those two tokens, he pretty much was not able to threaten for most of the game. Um, and then it came down to a couple key combats. Um, I was able to engage uh, a rev cap troop, a regiment of soul reavers, both his regiments of soul reavers and a rev cap troop with both my werewolf's hordes and a, uh, uh, a rev cap troop of mine with the hope that I would kill one soul reaver regiment and then tie up the other two and then clean up. Um, his, he was able to sustain that charge and then kill one of my soul reaver regiments. So I was hurting a little bit, but really the key combat came down to, he did a really good sideways surge move to free up a charge lane with his uh, <clears throat> horde of whites with sharpness into my soul reavers. Um, the only thing is they were charging out of terrain. So whites with sharpness out of terrain against soul reavers should do six damage, give or take, because you're hitting nine times. And then you're wounding on threes, you know, which is six. So on average, you should do six, which would be a nine to waver. So I think he did five, so slightly below average, but he was not able to route them. And then I had uh, Soul Reavers with Sharpness. And when Soul Reavers can attack with Sharpness with no hindering and no nothing, it's 20 attack on, twenty attacks on twos. Uh, you can really pump out some damage. And I believe I did 11 damage, and I was able to pick up that White Horde. And uh, about that same time, he had angled uh, one Soul Reaver regiment um, uh, back into the middle line and the other one on my uh, werewolves but I was able with a nimble uh, backup I was able to back up nimble backup to get out of arc on his soul reavers which gave my werewolves one more turn to pick an engagement and then I was able to kind of kill his uh, regiment of soul reavers and then the, my soul reavers dealt with his soul reaver on soul reaver violence Um. But it was a very close game. Um, it was probably my favorite game of the tournament. Um, he's uh, Kyle is a, a super clean player, very tactile. He had some really great moves. Um, his dice uh, at times were uh, below average, but he's a gentleman. Um, and it was a really, you know, it was a really great um, game. It was a, a great game to end uh, the tournament on. I ended up getting some of the bonus objectives in that one too, so I ended up picking up 18 points out of that one for it to go four and one. So with picking up those 18 points, I felt like, okay, that's actually maybe put me in a good spot because both my wins on day two were a good amount of points. So I was hoping to maybe be like in the top 10, which in an event that size, especially with some of like, the struggle I had at Masters, I felt really good about. I felt good and happy that I had brought an army that I just knew inside and out. I just, I, I it's a variation on an army that I played for two years. I'm Ronnie from Magic Games, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Well, I guess we should jump in and talk about the results, huh? Yeah, go for it. All right. So in last place, the Wooden Spoon 
went to Kyle Ritchie. Now, Kyle is the stepson of Blake Schrode, who was my second-round opponent. Kyle and Blake ran the uh, the big game uh, most of the, I think it was Thursday and Friday. So, uh, awesome time. But Kyle obviously struggled a little bit on the table, but he was rewarded by a brand-new copy of Hellboy. So, congratulations to him. Um, one thing we did differently this time was we actually gave out two Connor Charger Awards. We gave out one for battle, which went to Tom Ziegler, which tickles me pink because uh, he is a local player to Mark in the northern Ohio area, I guess Cleveland area. Uh, But the one that really put me over the moon was our buddy Tyler Schultz came in 30th out of 60 um, with his new uh, watchful eye, Terracotta Warrior Empire Dust Army. Um, We'll actually have Tyler and Joe Crone from Watchful Eye on in the very near future to talk about that project. But it was just great to get up there and, you know, kind of talk some crap because I had just tabled him like two days before in Vanguard. Uh, And then to give him the award was just really, really funny. You got to give him a a very prestigious award. Yeah, the hardest award to win, right? Per Kyle Poole. Statistically very difficult, very difficult. Uh, Sad sad that Kyle Poole wasn't able to join us this year. A little disappointed. Yeah, that's a bummer, but, you know, life. Life, life. Uh, Grace Patterson got most sporting. What's interesting is she actually finished 36 out of 60. So that means she didn't, you know, she didn't lose all her games, obviously. Player's Choice, really excited to see. Grant Fetter won Player's Choice with a mostly Mantic, uh, well, all Mantic that they make, Elf Army. Um, I really liked his Horde of Chariots. Uh, it was an Oliphant from Lord of the Rings range from GW, and he had the Mantic Archers all over it, and he had a couple units of Draken Hordes. It looked great. Yeah, really cool, really cool army. Really great. Congratulations to Grant. He doesn't get enough credit, you know. A lot of times he puts a lot of effort in, and he always like does that like Richard Lewis thing, like where he's like self-deprecating or you know he's like you know kind of minimizes it. No, he put in the effort, and he got the reward this time. Jeff Swan got the best Mantic army. Super pretty army. Uh, Eyes of Nature's army was beautiful. Yep, 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 yep. Nick Schillenack from uh, Lansing, Michigan. He's a guy I play with occasionally when I'm up there. Uh, got the Northern Kings Award, which is best newcomer. Uh, and then we get to the big dogs. So, um, obviously, Jeremy, you actually finished in third place, which is amazing. Are you? I mean, you got to be over the moon about that. Yeah, so how it works, basically, in, 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 uh, as some events go, they don't give uh, – the same um, award or one person multiple awards. Right. So essentially, since there was going to be best Mantic champion that won the plane ticket, and then there was going to be tops first, second, and third. So technically, I finished fourth place, but because one of the top uh, four people was going to win the trip to um, uh, England, that slid me in to third place we'll overall. Hey, man, I'm hey, I'm taking my. Uh, you know, the Adepticon medal that you get for placing in an Adepticon Absolutely. tournament is And then Nick Williams. Amazing. Yeah, Nick Williams finished in second, which is a, a trend for the UK guys because Andrew Sharp finished second a number of times. Uh, and then uh, for overall was Chris Capser in first place, which good on him. I don't think anybody, I certainly was, I wrote him off when I realized his herd army had to play Keith Randall's elf army in the last round. Like, there's no shot. But I don't know what exactly transpired, but he ended up winning 17 to something. So good on him. And then the Mantic champion technically came in second place, but Mantic champion, our very own Southeast player and dirty, dirty goblin player, 
Tim Smith. We're super excited to have Tim win this whole thing. Yeah, total congrats to him. Um, he had a really cool all Mantic Goblin um, troll army. It was nicely painted. You know, Tim's a great guy. Uh, I can't be happier for him that he gets to go on that adventure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is his army actually started life at the Blue City Brawl. So, uh, hey, maybe you next year can come out, make a thousand point army, and then as you add on to it, you can become a Mantic champion yourself. So it was an awesome event. I mean, uh, it ran pretty well. You know, I don't, you know, uh, I think the, I think my one criticism, I think our award ceremony took longer than it should, but hey, if that's if that's the only thing we got, that's a minor quibble. Yeah, and I, I would say if I was to have another piece of a critique or constructive criticism, um, the some of the train I think could be a little better. I mean, they had all the different piece types, but the trees, the forests were very small. Yep. They would have multiple multiple small forests as opposed to a smaller amount but a bigger forest. But it made it very difficult to to get cover so uh, that would be one piece uh, you know that i would give for shannon for next year is maybe you know pull get the community together to help get maybe a little bit more bigger force together but that would be like other than that it was run very well for a large event i would say absolutely and if i you know i would say if anybody has any that was at the event has any constructive criticism uh, or feedback for shannon please hit him up on facebook shannon's super open to receiving it um, we want this thing to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And, uh, I, you know, we're, we're, let me just tell you right now, we're going to hit 100 next year. So if yeah, you're planning easy. on it, start painting your army now because uh, we, we, we had to cap it at 60. We did not have the space. But I think Adepticon, show, we showed Adepticon that, yeah, yeah, if you give us the space, we're going to fill it. And so also keep in mind, whenever that time is in the future, when the, when it opens up, don't wait. Sign up. Because the faster you sign up and the faster we hit the cap, there is still time to possibly up it, right? Um, you know, historically, that's been our problem is that's why we've had 30 people because people wait till the last dog is hung to, to sign up. And then Adepticon sees it and goes, well, you're barely even filling the 30 spots we gave you. Well, this time we were able to fill our, I think, original 40 some spots and we were able to slowly increase it till they finally said no more at 60. So we're going big next year. I hope everybody can join us. It's going to be an amazing time. Yeah, it was a total blast. Um, yeah, you know, Ronnie was saying he's already talked to Depticon about getting more space. I think in having that 60 players, we showed that it, it, we can have a bigger event. So only, you know, the sky's the limit at this point, I think. Yeah, and huge thanks to Shannon for running it. Mike Carter for stepping, uh, stepping in and being the scorekeeper. All the people that brought terrain up. It was it was just it was it was a it was a great event. I mean, really well run, and uh, I'm. Pfft. It was a high bar. It was a high bar. I mean, it's definitely the best Adepticon yet. Yeah, you know, congrats to Shannon um, and to everyone who helped him out. You know, it was running an event like that's never a one person gig, right? So thanks to to you, to Mike Carter, to all the people that helped Shannon get the event uh, running so well. Yeah, you know, it was, it, it was a pretty uh, a pretty awesome event. You know, it was great to hang out and see Mark. You know, we hadn't really mentioned him that much. You know, Mark and Colin were off doing Adepticon things. Colin was playing uh, uh, Zombie Side, and I think Mark Walking was doing a bunch down. of hobby events. But I know Mark will probably do an episode, too, of, you know, since we were kind of doing the Mantic thing and he was doing his painting thing, he'll probably do some stuff on well, all yeah, his. yeah, he's got to talk about Duncan, right? 
yeah, he'll he'll do sort of his take uh, on Adepticon in another episode. But shout out to him. It was great to have all three of us, you know, together at one time. Mm-hmm. The the black vortex of when Jeff Swan and I play next to each other continues in the fact that anytime we're at a GT and we play uh, next to each other on table like 29 and 30 or whatever, our dice go to the doo-doo. They get sucked into a black vortex of despair. But congrats to Jeff. He, he finished an 11th, I think, overall and won Best Painted. So I know he had a couple of close games that uh, didn't go his way. But, you know, Jeff's one of the best players in the country and a great painter. So uh, shout out to hanging out with him. Maybe we should go through the top 10 or so. Chris Kapsner, Tim Smith, Nick Williams, Jeremy Duvall, Keith Randall, Nick Schilneck, Chris Pelletier, Tim Roller, Brian Tucker, David Baker, Jeff Swan in 11, Eric Shorebridge in 12, Jeff Franz in 13, Corey Reynolds in 14, and, and rounding out the top 15, Alex Chavez. Some big names. Big I mean, names. Some yeah. big names came out to play in that, yeah. uh, uh, in that event. Troller was just smoking fools, man. His yes. attrition was the highest in the tournament. He was just, as Abyssals do, just like chomping faces off. People. Absolutely. Yeah, he actually scored 6,725 attrition points, which is by far the most points in, in you know, I don't even think anybody else is over 6,000. So. No, he was a thousand some odd points above the person who won the tournament and the amount of points his army killed. So, yeah, did a great job. And I just want to say shout out, you know, if 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 there was anyone that I got to hang out with that I didn't mention directly, know that I had a great time getting to know everyone. Um, it was really an awesome event. It was also awesome to hang out with the original gangsters of Kings of War, Bill and Sue Foreman. Yeah, and Jerry Page and was there too. And there's just so many people. It was good to to uh, touch base with and see. And, uh, you know, I'm just so excited for next year. I mean, Rob, my when you think about like, well, what, what are my takeaways? My takeaways is I will be hard pressed to not want to go to Adepticon every year. I mean, it's like uh, unbelievable. As far as conventions go, it, I was just, my mouth was hanging down open like the whole first day and a half. And your wallet was open as well, right? Oh my God. Let's not talk about that. Well, Sunday night, uh, obviously the, the thing we, after everything was broken down and yeah. people started to leave, uh, me, you and Jeff sat around and learned a new game that Jeff picked up and it was a lot of fun. What was that called again? It was called The Legends of Draxia. Awesome game. It was kind of like a deck, like a fantasy deck builder where you pick like a character and you play cards to try to, I don't know, maybe you can explain it better than I can. Yeah, it's like this weird sort of hybrid deck card building where you have a hand of cards and you're kind of trying to do a couple different things. Each character has their own win win conditions to score victory points. So some characters want to fight monsters. Some characters want to build buildings. It's a part resource management too, but they're very, they're deep in their strategy, but they're quick. Like a, a game is 30, 35 minutes. And then you put all the characters back in a deck and then you deal out. And the next time you're playing a, another character and all the characters play differently enough that it's not it's a very different experience from round to round and uh that's pretty much what we did after we did the last minute vendor hall shopping and thankfully creature caster was sold out they were doing a buy to get discount and jeff and i had our eye on two creature caster models that we were going to get and we told ourselves they're like well if if they're not sold out on sunday we'll buy it as that's like fate's telling us to purchase it but they were sold out thankfully 
So, um, yeah, so we just ended up hanging out at the bar. You know, Alex Chavez hung out with us before he had to catch his flight. And then uh, we just, you know, wrapped up the night with some board games. And then um, I was introduced to White Castle for the first time. <laughs> That's, on, right. That's right. On our, on our way back to the I never eaten in a White Castle. And now I never have to again because I had the experience. And then, Rob, you had to head out early the next morning. And then Jeff and I had uh, sort of different flights heading out that day. Yep. And, um I mean, what a success. Adepticon is fantastic. If you've ever been as a miniature gamer, if you've ever been on the fence of going, all I can say is go. You will not be disappointed. So now that you're home, have you been looking at your booty? Yeah, so I've been looking at my booty. Um, as So I mentioned a couple of the things that I had got before. I got some stuff, some hobby desk organization to uh, for paint brushes and paints. I'd gotten some extra. What, what brand did you buy? I bought um, the metal tray, like I had said, from Scale 75 for paint. And then from Siege Studios, I got there. It's called the Katana. And it's an MDF rack uh, for holding paintbrushes. So you hold them sort of um, horizontal and you just rack them up. Um, So I had really nothing to do with my brushes. So I got that. I got some stuff from, like I said, from GW. I got a bunch of like terrain crate stuff. I got they have they have like a a temple terrain crate to sort of go with my Basileans, and I thought it would just be good for like display board. Um, that yeah, so that's pretty much what I got. I didn't get the see. I learned so much. Okay, what I learned from this Adepticon <laughs> is one, I got to sign up for the 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 VIP pack. I got to make sure I have more space in my suitcase. Um, oh, I, and I got like a sweatshirt and a water bottle and a pen and all that sort of stuff. But definitely my advice to someone, their first Adepticon is don't overbook yourself. Like I, I was wanting to sign up for a bunch of hobby seminars and there's just so much to see. I'm actually kind of happy. I only had one event this first go around and then now next year, I feel like I have a lay of the land. So I'm definitely going to go an extra day and sign up for extra stuff. Right. Um, now that I sort of kind of know what it's going to be like a little bit. What about you? I know that in case you don't want to listen to what you have, there's a video, a video presentation of your loot. Correct. My daughter came home and she's like, what the heck is all this crap? So she, uh, I recorded her and she did a little video. It's on YouTube. It's, you can find it on our our Facebook page or in the notes, but I'll just quickly mention some of the stuff that I picked up. Uh, you did mention at Mantic open night, they did have the rule books for Kings of War second edition for five bucks. It's a hardcover rule book. I'm like, you know, I'm going to get one if, if I'm. they have a new store opening up here locally in May. I'm hoping to get some new players in. There's a book I can give to somebody. Uh, so I bought that. I did buy the uh, the, the, the small Mantic uh, Elf Army. Uh, it was 20 bucks. It's hard to pass on, right? I mean, it ends up being like 40 cents a model. So, I mean, come on. Pla- hard plastic models at 40 cents a pop is, is a great value. Uh, I did get some Terrain Crate stuff. Uh, at Mantic Open Night, they gave us a box, and I got some. I I, I got the doors because uh, a gentleman on the Ogre Facebook page has actually done Siege Breakers, where he took the Mantic doors from Terrain Crate and he made shields that he has them chained to their arms with. And I thought that's a great idea. That is a cool idea. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I may steal it. Uh, I know you were unlucky, right? Uh, both times that they came through with prizes and stuff, you didn't. 
You know, the, the oh swag wagon went Felix through. And I don't I, think you were the in the right tears spot. I saw Felix shed. So they come round, round one, the prize guy. And I guess this is a Depticon thing. He comes in with like a red flyer or like a wheelbarrow full of prizes. And he came down to the middle row of the tournament and was like, who wants a Night Stalker mega army? Here you go. Who wants this? And it was like two rows over from where Felix and I were. And we were like, I want a Night Stalker mega army. But it just, I mean, he must have handed out $1,000 worth of prize to like that one row. Easily, easily. Well, I, I did get a regiment of uh, Abyssal Half-Breeds. So that was pretty cool. Um, I also got uh, the full, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Vanguard. So I got the full uh, dwarf set. So I'm good to go there. Um, and I think, oh, I, I picked the other thing, a couple more things that I actually purchased. Um, I bought some resin buildings from uh, the Wargaming store. I think it's what it's called. They're out of like Minnesota. And I had purchased some 10 millimeter scale buildings from them before. And I had mailed mail ordered in. So it was cool to see them there because I'm like, cool, I can go pick out a few more buildings and then I'll have to pay the shipping. So I got like this really big merchant house, which is going to look great on the table. And I bought like a, a water wheel like a mill, uh, so it, amazing looking stuff. Um, and then I did buy my daughter some impact miniatures. Uh, they're the ones that make the chibi ponies. And so every time I go to uh, Adepticon, I always get her some. And this time I did something different. I took a picture of them all and said, "Which ones do you want?" You know, and then she can just circle them on the picture and send them back. So she got like a a mermaid pony and a unicorn wizard pony. So they're they're really cool. Um, I did my 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 big self-indulgent purchase was a reaper case so what you can do there is they have these hard plastic cases um that have they have a few paints in them because they're like a core set but you could take the paints out of the case or leave the paints in and add to them but this case holds 36 bottles of paint you can have 36 bottles put in there any of their range and it's 100 bucks so it's really hard to beat that right i mean 36 bottles of paint for a hundred bucks. No, that's amazing. not a bad deal. Yeah. And so um, I, what I did smartly because I knew I was going to Adepticon and I knew this was something I was going to do because I did it the last time uh, was I, I went and I took a picture of all my paint racks. So I showed, cause I'm, I'm a Reaper guy. So I took a picture of, I, I may have 300 Reaper paints and I took a picture of it all. So I knew what colors I had. And so I started it. 001 and went all the way through 400 and something and I just went through and I said okay I oh that's a cool looking triad that's a cool looking triad and I just you know I added 36 new colors to my range one mistake I did do though was I grabbed a, a triad of uh, high density colors and I actually grabbed the middle the, the the highlight twice so I missed the middle color oh so no I went base highlight highlight and I get it in my case I'm like ah oh, I'm putting it in my my rack tonight I'm like oh my god how did I do that so I'm going to have to go back and uh, purchase something in the near future uh, to finish that. But, yeah, it's a really cool deal. Um, they have it every year at Adepticon. If you're looking to get into Reaper paints, it's a great way to do it because, A, they have a bunch of different cases you can buy. Um, and then and then with, with what they consider like their base colors or their layer set um, or their starter set, and you can add to it, or like I did, I just took all the paints that were like I think there's eight bottles that, that it comes with, took all those out and refilled it completely with what I wanted. So uh, awesome deal. Uh, and then I guess at that point we get into all the free stuff uh, or more free stuff. I mean, I, I kid you not, the swag bag was a little ridiculous this year, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I was mad I didn't get one, so 
It's crazy. Yeah, it was like a $35 increase. Like, I think the badge was 50 and then for like $35 more, maybe, $30 more. I'm just going to go, I'm looking at this picture. I, I got uh, the Song and Ice of Fire starter, which I haven't opened it, but I'm assuming it's got two starter armies in it, which could make good Kingdoms of Men army. Um, it's got a uh, guild ball team. I got the the Farmers, what they're called, the Farmers Guild. Um, it had a Night Vault I don't know what you call it. They're not teams, but a Night Vault box. Um, these were goblins, and GW had given given us uh, the box. It's got like nine or ten miniatures, uh, card sleeves, and dice, and there's cards in the box. So literally everything you need to play Night Vault, I have it for that same faction. I thought that was really neat because not only did they give us all those things, they made sure they all matched. So I got night, you know, I got the goblins, all the goblin stuff. Um, and then I got, uh, a bunch of models, you know, Adepticon always has models in the bag. Um, I got like a cruel seas, uh, sprue, which is the new, uh, small scale game, uh, boat game from, uh, warlord. Um, and then I also got, uh, a game from uh, a tank from Gale force nine, which is called tanks. Unsurprisingly, uh, I got a board game called invasion from privateer press, um, GW gave us some kid stuff like novels and activity packs. Uh, I got a lot of MDF stuff, bases. I got some paint. I mean, it's go through the video. Uh, go, we'll go watch the video. You'll, you'll see it. It's really cool. I'm really stoked about all the stuff I got. I love, you can tell, you can tell Aubrey's getting older when she does the one I thought was particularly funny when she's like, look, it's a box of doors. So exciting. I forget what she said, but it was right. like sarcasm. You know, they reached that age where they can yes, do sarcasm. You know, yeah. And she's like, she's getting into editing, so like, she's like, just record me on your iPad, you know, and then I'll edit it. And so she added all these effects. Uh, she added like a ding counter for every time she hit me over the head with something because I made a bad joke. Um, the best part that made my wife cackle, though, she's, she's, we're, we get to the last box. It's the song of ice and fire. And I tell her, well, it's the show that mom watches all the time, blah, blah, blah. She's like, well, did you get this for mom's birthday? And I'm like, are you crazy? You know, I'm like, no. And then uh, my wife just started yeah, laughing. Yeah, so it was good stuff. She's, she's a nut dude. Uh, but if she's listening to this, I'm the one on YouTube. I'm the YouTube star. You are. She's just your sidekick. She's just a sidekick. Yeah, I'm the one. She's your co-host, like they are on Unplugged the, Radios. You're you're right, the host, right? Right, like Jake. They're your. She's your co-host. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, exactly right. But yeah, it was great. Uh, I have been having a lot of fun. There was also like a weird, weird miniatures, right? They they had a Malfo Fate deck and a model that went with the Fate deck, so that was really cool. One of the things I got from Andrew Sharp, which I think is totally awesome, is he gave me some mercenary cards for some char- some named characters in Vanguard. Now, I don't think these are like legitimate like they can play, right? I don't think they're part of the actual rules. Um maybe they made them for an event or something, but what's amazing about them is they're printed just like the real cards. And I thought, "Oh, that's that's so awesome," right? I mean, that kind of stuff is just that's 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 the magic sauce right there for me. Cool. Yeah, I have to see those next time. Uh, or put I don't know, put some pictures or send me some photos. Huh? Yeah, it's like a nature character, a salamander character, and like an abyssal character. It's it's just really really cool. So I'm excited about that. I, right now, Vanguard's got me really excited. I don't know the models are fantastic. Those resin, um, you know, we didn't mention, but you know, I got the resin dwarves, but like 
the goblins coming out are so awesome. Yeah, they look pretty crazy. Like the maw pup launcher and the big bat flying like Da Vinci thing. That thing's killer. Yeah, and then the dam buster coming out, which is like a giant frog, frog on frog. Female frog, which is being written by a smaller male frog. And actually, they're married. I thought that was hilarious. Mm, well, frogs need love, too. Adepticon, what can you say? Go to it. Next year, 100 players. I want to see 100 players there. I think I think we can easily do it. We're in the golden age of gaming when there's a lot of things to pull you away from, you know, where you, there's a lot of reasons to be spread out and separated and segregated in different games. But Kings of War is the best Ranks and Flanks game, and so Ranks and Flanks forever. Go to Adepticon, um, and remember, always keep counter-charging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Counter-Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge fifteen. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 